Welcome to the third episode of The Brief in 2020. I'm Sabrina De Palma, Executive Director of MEPFRA, and I'll be your host for today. I'll be joined by Majid Al-Fatayim, Chief Communications Officer, Tracy Faulkner, Edelman Middle East CEO, Omar Karem, and our MEPFRA Chair and Hanover Middle East MD, John T. Summers. Well, there's only one thing we can talk about today. The whole world is gripped by the COVID-19 outbreak and we'll hear from our guests on how their teams are navigating the crisis and discuss how we as communicators can put our best foot forward at this time. Thank you all for joining. Oh, thank you, Sabrina. How are you feeling, John T? The tables have turned and you're in the hot seat. Yeah, well, you know, we like we like to change things up at Mepra. So, uh, you know, much as much as, and I, and I think probably I speak on behalf of most PRs who would prefer to be the people asking the questions behind the scenes rather than in the question hot seat. But obviously, I'm looking forward to this slight change in role. So, good, Thank good. You. Well, it's no secret that we're navigating uncharted waters as the COVID nineteen crisis evolves not only on a daily but hourly basis. Maybe. We can start by providing a brief summary on what you and your teams are dealing with um, currently in terms of what measures you're taking or planning to take uh, in relation to the COVID-19 outbreak. Perhaps, Tracy, can we start with you? I know MAF has, have had to make some very difficult decisions, um, such as the closures of malls. Can you talk us through how you work through these decisions and then communicate them to your stakeholders? Thanks, Sabrina, Shirley, and uh, good to be a part of your podcast. I must say this is the very first uh, for me in the region, so thrilled to be joining you. And as as Jonti said, it's very uncomfortable to be on the other side. I'm usually (laughs) sitting in your chair. But in terms of COVID-19, clearly it has uh, been a challenge for all of us, uh, to say the least. It's unprecedented territory for all of us. And even though we have crisis management and process, even though we have crisis communications teams, it's still unchartered territory. And so clearly we've had to rethink what we do and how we do it, but at the same time, keep certain principles at play in terms of the overall company, which is no different for communications. Our, at our core, we're really focused on the health, safety, and well-being of our employees, our customers, and other key stakeholders. That's clearly a number one priority for us. Uh, We continue to adapt to our customers' needs and ensuring that anything they need, we want to make sure is available through our car for hypermarket and supermarkets. And then of course, we're looking across each market and making sure that we follow the guidance from local authorities, follow the guidance from the World Health Organization, and make sure that they see that we're committed to working with them. Uh, Our suppliers, our tenants, our our retail partners, and of course the government overall. So those are at the core of what we're looking at as a company and communications is operating no differently. For Majid Al-Fatim, as you stated, it's been a journey. We have 27 shopping malls across the region, 13 hotels, four mixed use communities, and a number of assets, whether it be leisure and entertainment, uh, cinemas, whether it be shopping malls. And clearly, our first priority has been to not only think about the safety and well-being of our employees and customers, but to follow the guidance 
as mandated by the government, uh, especially here in the UAE, where I sit, uh, to make sure that we closed all our shopping malls, uh, temporarily, of course, and take the precautionary measures that were necessary. And so we've done just that. From a communication standpoint, we have been meeting daily uh, just about as soon as COVID-19 hit. And I believe that was right around February 11 when it began to be called COVID-19. We've been meeting daily from a crisis communication standpoint, and that's my internal communications team, that's my social media team, my external communications team, and not only the communicators, but also the marketing leaders uh, who sit across the region. And in some cases, some of the people running some of our operations, we pull in as needed. And basically, we tend to follow the principles that everyone probably follows uh, from a social standpoint and an internal standpoint. I'll just say a few of the social things we tend to look at. Um, we had a social strategy in place. We had a content strategy in place, but we had to rethink and redo all of that and put a strict pause on all of our pre-approved pre material across all of our platforms, across all of our channels, because in times like these, of course, uh, everything has to be reworked from the ground up and become more human uh, in our approach. And then, of course, we created listening dashboards to really follow up on the outbreak news uh, throughout our social media channels and just trying to stay up to date, not only for our employees, but for our customers and making sure we understand and follow the sentiments and address them as appropriate. Uh, we've worked hard to show an extra layer of empathy in terms of managing the community socially. Uh, we've tried to show that our business is conforming to the rules that have been set forth. Uh, you get different opinions from different stakeholder groups, but at the end of the day, our role is to make sure we support the government. Uh, so public-private uh, partnering during this time is really critical. And then, of course, uh, giving back to our front line. Many people have been told they have to uh, work from home, uh, work remotely, um, but our frontliners, as in the case of our Carrefour stores, because grocery stores remain open, they're the ones on the ground working every day trying to make sure customers have what they need when they need it and being supportive in the grocery store. So we certainly want to make sure we're giving back to them as much as possible. So those have been kind of the five key tenants for us from a social standpoint. And then on the internal communication side, there are other elements. And I don't want to take all of the time, but I don't know if you want to go on uh, to someone else, but I'll be happy to share those later as well. Yeah, I think we'll come back to the um, internal comms um, perspective. But yeah, Omar, we know your team had to mobilise quite quickly. Can you talk us through, um, you know, the process of um, getting everyone to work remotely and communicating, communicating that to your teams and your clients? Sure. So I would echo what Tracy said in terms of there were two key principles for us. One, a duty of care to our employees. Um, and then two, operationalizing the business to make sure that we continue to support our clients at this time. Um, I'm, we're very lucky that Edelman um, was um, sort of thinking about this probably from January onwards or so. So they were early in place in terms of working from home guidance, setting up cadence of internal communications to make sure that teams are talking regularly and ad hoc basis, um, making sure that people are still staying connected at this time as well. Kind of, um, we are three weeks into working from home now. And what has happened is that slowly organizations are in our position 
So um, organizations are turning to us to look to, to see what the insights are, where the challenges are, and what they should be doing and communicating uh, externally as well. But the second point was about making sure that we can continue to support our clients. Uh, one of the principles that we've approached this is that clients need us more than ever. So I wrote an article just mid-February, um, and I talked about three key principles, and that's what we've um, approached for all of our clients in terms of them being transparent, them being proactive, and them being prepared. I think that's stead, put them in good stead, especially in the UAE and Saudi Arabia. Um, we've avoided some of the disasters I'm assuming you've seen in the news in the UK, where some owners of uh, restaurants are essentially saying you can't get the virus in their establishments, so the government shouldn't close them, or actually some retailers actually increasing the prices, 50% or so are saying they're essential services. Um, so generally, we've approached it on two places, our employees and making sure that we can continue to service our clients. Yeah, great. I mean, you both um, sound like you've been very busy and your hands are full. Do you think, um, we'll, John, we'll, come, we'll come to you and, and um, for you to talk through the process and what changes you've seen from a client perspective, um, team working perspective. But, um, you know, what I'm hearing is that, what we're facing with COVID-19 really does heighten the importance of what we do as communicators. Jonty, can you just touch on that and, and talk us through what you're seeing? Yeah, well, no question. And, and sort of echo, echoing, you know, Tra Tracy and, uh, and Omar in, in some ways, it was interesting. We, um, from a, a Hanover perspective, we've, we've actually been involved in hands-on tackling uh, the COVID-19 issue uh, in the UK, we had a, we had a couple who engaged in about the uh, third week of January to support a, a cruise company down in down in on the south coast of the UK, uh, and we had a couple of guys in there um, for for you know for for, for several weeks in, 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 until now actually. Um, so you know, it, which does show that you know when you're on hands on on a crisis, it does show the the kind of rather full on nature of it. Um, and actually, there's a slightly amusing, uh, well, darkly amusing sideline. The guy, one of our directors who was handling that crisis uh, had to obviously cancel his, he, he had a holiday booked in the Canary Islands and uh, had to uh, cancel his holiday, well, postpone his holiday. Uh, I think he moved it back twice. And then when he finally got away after having been on this, you know, deeply embedded in this, in this kind of cruise ship for, for five or six weeks, he finally got on holiday with his wife. Uh, got to the Canary Islands day one, discovered there was an outbreak of COVID nineteen in his hotel, and was then quarantined in his hotel for two weeks. So, so dark, darkly amusing, but uh, but, but the, the reality of what what this can look like as as a communicator. You know, I I think from a the point of view of comms, you know, we are you know public relations. If anything shows how important public relations is, it's this situation. You've got a leadership role to play in all of this. You know, you've seen over the last few weeks, you know, corporate communicators and and, and agencies have to rise to the challenge of of telling employees about the risks of the the pandemic, um, and uh, and actually to, to to name check Edelman, obviously in your your trust barometer, Omar, in back in January showed that I think that. Uh, that uh, my employer is the most trusted source of information in this particular setting. So, yeah, it's interesting. You're obviously, you, we've obviously had to uh, pivot to a world in which, you know, everybody's a, a crisis communicator, really. You know, you're looking to, yes, keep employees safe, keep communities healthy, uh, and obviously keep, you know, 
organizations up and running um you know and so that's 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 what we're seeing and i guess from our from a regional agency point of view you know we we like you know other other metro you know members will have clients in in the in in the uae in saudi arabia across the region so that the the challenge of disrupted working and you know we can call it remote working but the reality is it's it's highly disrupted because a lot of this region is not has is not set up to to work uh, in a remote setting you know we li- we live in a region which is built on personal relationships and and you know where work happens in person in meetings typically uh, so you know we you know we having to having to navigate that and you know that's 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 not that's not easy um, I mean, we we are fortunate in that on our, our CEO over the last since I since I joined Han over three years ago talked a lot about how we've made a significant investments in technology, and actually that as this call shows, you know, you, the investments that companies make in technology, you know, it, it comes into its own in times like this. Yeah, I think um, I think this is forever going to change the way we work, um, definitely in the region. Um, but you know, speaking of um, crisis plans and how you've been working with clients, do you do you think the regular crisis plans uh, are relevant in these times? Do you think um, there's things, you know, new things that we need to consider? Um, well, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, and Tracy talked a little bit about about how the plans go out of the window, and nothing nothing destroys a beautifully conceived social or marketing calendar like a crisis. Um, I mean, the reality is, and I, th- I think Omar would probably agree that any crisis plan should be fit for purpose in any situation, because you know a crisis plan is you know it's a description of a process and a, uh, and a, you know who does what when uh, when things go wrong. So it should theoretically uh, work for any situation no matter no matter what that is you should have your escalation points you should know who's speaking you should you should be you should be drilled enough in it so that when things do happen that your whole team is is thinking about what they you know, knows what they should be doing and when and that without hesitation and that's that's typically what kills organizations in crisis when there's uncertainty about about who, who what the next move is Omar, do you, you, you must have some points. You've got loads of things. No, I agree. Um, so believe it or not, this is my third pandemic. I was in um, the Department of Health in the UK in 2009. John, to you and I shared some days in the um, Saudi Ministry of Health during those. And nights. Yeah. We didn't see the yeah. sun. <laughs> Long days. <laughs> Back in 2015. But the, the principles stay the same in terms of you have to be prepared in terms of the escalation points, identifying the risks. So, but what we've seen on this this particular um, uh, crisis is people are turning to employee employers for communications. So, absolutely, communications should be stay the same. But personally, we've seen an increase in digital and increase in employee engagement and communications. Um, and John T referenced it, but we actually did a special report on COVID um, nineteen a couple of weeks ago, and we surveyed ten thousand people as part of the Edelman um, Trust Barometer. And the very first point that kind of, or insight that came out of it, it says, people believe the most credible source is employer communications. Thankfully, we live in a region where trust in government is high, but for other markets, trust in government is a bit of a challenge. So people are turning to employers for um, the communications. And that's exactly what we've done. I've, I've taken upon the principle of being proactive and transparent with my own staff. 
And we advise our clients to do that as well, to get ahead of this. And um, can you just touch more on on the channels you're using and how regularly you are communicating with your teams? I know, you know, it's so important right now to strike the right tone and know, uh, you know, be sure on what you're communicating. So can you talk us through, you know, how you work through those um, issues? And and I'm tracing, you know, from an in-house comms perspective, if you could also share, um, you know, how you work through that process as well. Sure. So technology is a wonderful thing. Um, so internally, we use uh, Microsoft Teams. Um, it's allowed us to stay connected internally. And we have regular all-staff meetings, at least three a week, where 100-plus people in the business all come together. Um, I would advise any organization for this, set up cadence of calls to ensure that um, people are regularly talking. They don't feel isolated. Um, everyone's in the same boat. So our clients are in the same boat. Um, John T, Tracy, we'll all be working from home. Um, and it's easier to pick up the phone more now more than ever. Um, so we have taken a very proactive approach to call people rather than just email or WhatsApp. Um, the other thing is um, just setting up WhatsApp groups. Um, we have a backup system in terms of Zoom. Um, so technology doesn't fail us. But what, what, I've, what I think is, and you touched on this, Sabrina, is once this is all over, I think there'll be trust in the system that we can mobilize quickly and we can remote work better because we have the technology available. We've done it. This is unprecedented. Nowhere on this scale, not in H1M1 or MERS, was there a global mobilization such as this. Yeah, it's like it's like a live crisis simulation, isn't it? Really, and I guess like anything, you know, you get you get more confident the more you're exposed to to, to those sorts of situations. Exactly. I totally agree with you all. Uh, live crisis, indeed, and then of course the whole trust factor uh, going up substantially in terms of it increasing. So, can totally relate to both of your points. Uh, some of the same channels we certainly use as well. I have daily connects with my team, both individually and collectively, by my mobile phone, by Teams, by WhatsApp. Uh, we also communicate with a larger employee population using some of these same channels and even uh, what we call Workplace, which is a Facebook technology that we use. And then um, in terms of the larger organization, the same thing. We've had so many Teams meetings, I cannot count uh, the number. I remember there was some concern expressed about employees working remotely uh, by some of the traditionalists who felt like, oh my gosh, uh, how will this ever work? How will we um, tell, them what, tell them what to do and find out what their deliverables are each day? And one of my employees said it best. She said, basically, Tracy, we've simply changed seats the work continues. <laughs> so it's not a big deal. And I thought that was so profound because it's so simple, but yet so true that it's just a matter of changing seats. Clearly, there's a lot that goes into that. But if you look at it that way, uh, you'll approach it a little differently and, and work as you normally do. You just have to be careful to make sure that you balance things and work as though you're in the office. Make sure you take the proper breaks. Make sure you still take your lunch. I found when I first uh, worked from home a few days, uh, it was hard to do that. You get up and you start and you just go until late into the evening. So I encouraged my team at least to make sure that they're keeping a similar schedule as they would do in the office. And on the time that you would normally have to commute to work, 
find something personally meaningful to do because I made the mistake early on of using that time to work. It was my chance to catch up. It's like, wow, I don't have to commute. Now I can start work earlier. And then I ended later. So uh, you can find yourself going too far and you do have to watch and balance uh, for yourself so that you're what you need to be for the organization. Uh, and then, of course, when I look at the larger employee population who is hungry for information and really you know, expressing some level of fear, uh, concern, not only of the health and safety of themselves and some of them for their family members, but also for their employment. Uh, so we were really pleased that we were able to think a bit creatively, if you will. And even though our cinemas were closing down and some of our other leisure and entertainment uh, assets were closing down. We were able to take about a thousand of those employees and redeploy them to Carrefour uh, and train them not only in the way Carrefour works, but also in the extra precautionary measures we needed to take uh, for the health and safety of our customers. And so those employees are now working in a redeployed assignment. So it uh, was a matter of looking at employees and making sure we responded to them and understood their concerns. We tried to always be factual and shared information from only verified sources, whether that's the World Health Organization or local government authorities. We tried to speak from a point of knowledge, stayed away from opinions. Uh, there, were, there was a lot of speculation out there in the marketplace already and fake news as we don't know, so we definitely tried to stay away from that. Uh, tried to be more humble in our approach uh, and understand the mood of our internal base to be much more timely. Uh, there was no room to uh, second guess or try to get 100%. Sometimes you had to go with 80%, uh, but to try to be timely, to prioritize because things were happening so fast and there was so much we could share at any given time. We had to prioritize for their sake. And then to balance what we're sharing, of course, we want to take things from a positive angle, but sometimes being positive means a neutral angle in how you share it to your employee base. So having that balance was key. And the trust factor, making sure we created an environment of trust and information in terms of having open dialogue. Our leaders were having meetings. I just attended one the other day where our leader did a virtual town hall for the first time. And he received about 150 questions uh, from employees. Clearly, we weren't able to answer them all, or they would have been on the call the whole day. But we ended up taking the ones that weren't answered, and we communicated to the employees, hey, here's what you asked, and here are the responses uh, for your information. And then, of course, always reiterating the importance of having a shared community, shared values, the togetherness, which is one of our core values as a company. All of that played into our communications and how we dealt with employees uh, overall. So it's not been a smooth road, but certainly one that we've been prepared for. We've been able to be both reactive and proactive, and that's been a huge help. And for someone coming from the oil and gas industry in the West, being based in the West primarily, and someone who's been in automotive, uh, and the construction and agricultural industries, I've been through a few crises, and probably the last biggest one was the Gulf of Mexico crisis, where I was in my front yard with a satellite phone, uh, because, you know, you're trying to make sure you continue to do business as you need to. So the crisis is going to present challenges along the journey, no matter what. And this one is probably the biggest any of us have ever experienced, uh, other than Omar, of course, who's been through three pandemics. <laughs> but uh, clearly, uh, there were some things we had to do uh, to, 
take care of our employee base. And we feel that we've done that and we continue to do it and we continue to learn. One of the things, uh, and I, I'd be interested to know what you guys think. I mean, one of the things that this, this situation has brought into sharp relief is, of course, you know, we've got probably a million school children in this country being uh, remotely schooled at home, which when you are suddenly all thrust together as a family, you have, you know, you have a load of, uh, you know, working parents uh, at home and, and, and kids at home all trying to, you know, get work done and get school done. And we found that we've uh, certainly given, you know, given, you know, being very, very flexible in, in the working day, to your point about the working day, Tracy, earlier. You know, so we've got a couple of a couple of our working mothers are starting much later in the day because the reality of trying to get, you know, meaningful business work done when you're trying to corral, you know, two children to do schooling from the hours of like eight o'clock in the morning till eleven thirty in the afternoon is 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 much more is is quite difficult. So a few of our guys have changed their hours around. I'm going to echo what you and Tracy have just said. Um, in terms of my advice is get into a personal routine as quickly as possible. So get up, get showered, get dressed. Don't work from your bedroom um, if possible. Um, but on that point that you and Tracy have just made is check in on people because everyone's circumstances are different. They have kids, they might live alone, they might live in a studio flat where they can't escape, etc. So we, we've taken an approach of, as I mentioned this earlier, just picking up the phone so checking in on the most junior member of staff, checking in on our receptionist, checking they're okay, um, taking a very proactive approach on that because ultimately the employees are looking to us to give them updates, make sure that they can we retain their trust as their employers. Yeah, agreed. And I think, yeah, I, mean, I mean, the reality is we're we're only two you know two weeks into this, and I, and I don't think I don't think it's it's getting properly hard yet. I mean, if this goes on for you know a couple more weeks. I think that's where you'd start to see, you know, quite serious, you know, mental issues uh, will potentially uh, arise. So I think that point of, you know, calling as much as possible. I mean, Omar, you and I have obviously talked quite a lot over the last, you know, few weeks. And you've always made the point that, you know, you can't over communicate with people in this sort of situation. And, that, and that's absolutely, absolutely right. Uh, yeah, definitely. Employees or clients. But if we can now look at from an external comms point of view, that coronavirus is prompting brands to show real power of purpose and this purpose-driven comms how are you navigating that with clients who want to you know genuinely do good um and and support support a cause well i think the chat i mean obviously and you you kind of allude to it a little bit in the question sabrina i mean there's you you do not want to be seen to be purpose washing uh, in this mm. situation and and no doubt when you know, when when all this is is said and done, you know, the brands who have lived up to their, you know, their reputation, uh, and and you will you will certainly do do much better. Um, you know, and there's there's a lot that brands can do. We 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 don't advise a lot of brands at a brand level, but you've seen you've seen examples of you know brands doing just being you know, just human and good, you know, like, you know, fast food chains who, you know, who say, you know, we've seen you've just ordered food from a hospital. We hope you're okay. You have this meal on us. Uh, you know, I, I, and, and not all, you know, not, not all brands are, are that fortunate. LVMH, for example, who, who, who decided to, you know, put over one of their, their production lines to make hand sanitizer quite early on in the, in the, in the, in the, in the crisis, you know, that, that sort of stuff is, you know, good and easy to do but i think it's you know it's important that 
it's imp it's important that co companies are thinking about it in in a, in a way that's you know not obviously not profiteering. And I think mm. some some com some organisations have have not come out of this very well at a time when when you know others, for example, you know restaurants. Uh, you know, uh, you know, particularly a lot of you know the the UA the region is full of very you know a lot of small restaurant chains um, and and individual restaurants who are going to have a terrible time in the coming weeks. Uh, you know, and obviously when people can't go out to their houses, you know that that puts an emphasis on the you know how how does the delivery side of it happen? And you've obviously seen you know a lot of restaurants in pain complaining about delivery services. So arguably there's there's something that could be done there. I, I completely agree with you. So I think the principle is be authentic and offer sort of personalized support, which is really thought through. And also be ahead of this. So as a as an organization, how can we be in a responsible organization? So you mentioned LVMH in Paris producing hand sanitizers. Um, Tracy and Majan Patain doing or ensuring the employment of their staff by redeploying them to where they needed most. Um, so it's very much proactive and, and almost having confidence to play outside of your swim lanes here. I know you talk about being authentic. Um, you know, how, how do you advise clients on, on, on staying true to their brand purpose and, and making sure they're appearing authentic in that way? So um, I, I think my perspective is, um, I mentioned this at the top in my first response, that we were probably one of the first agencies to kind of have to work from home um, fully in the Middle East. Um, so clients actually turn to us for advice how to manage their own transition. So I've spoken to the HR manager of an organization, the business continuity manager. So rather than just the sort of day-to-day -day clients, but it's almost like how is an organization, do they operate and how do they mobilize? And what are the challenges we face and how can we advise them? Um, Tracy, jump in here, but I think... It, my perspective is that brands have to be authentic and personalized. It can't be seen to be opportunistic and you have to have a voice. So in every pandemic, the H1N1, MERS and this one, and also any crisis to be perfectly honest, you need almost a face and you need to have empathy there that people can connect to. So it's not just an email you've received. We're seeing CEOs of major um, companies doing personalized videos like we've, we've never seen it on a scale before and personally i didn't realize i was on so many mailing lists i'm getting messages from ceos um so people are taking that principle of being authentic personalized and empathetic of the situation yeah although to be honest omar if i get another another email from a ceo saying saying exactly the same thing as the 325 others I've received in the next week, I might have to unsubscribe. There's a certain <laughs> cut and paste quality to some of these things. <laughs> well, this is my point exactly, right? So, um, you know, for, for people out there having to advise these CEOs and um, brands, like what can they do that's, that's different, that stands out? Because, so we, you know, there's so much clutter out there at the moment. And everyone, you know, has is trying to do good, um, you know, trying to support the industry, um, businesses. Um, but how, how do they stand out when everyone is essentially saying the same things, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, que I mean, uh, it's a question. I mean, does one need to stand out and who does one need to stand out to? I mean, when, when our uh, Avenir Global CEO 
um, talk, to, talk to us at the start of this, 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 when it was all starting to unfold four weeks ago, he said, you know, your first priority should be your families, your second priority should be your employees, and your third priority should be your clients. So, you know, we, 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 need, to, we need to stand, we are standing by those principles in terms of, you know, micro first um, and, and, and bigger second. I, I don't see it as a, as a big opportunity for fanfare marketing. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. Like, you don't want to stand out. You don't want to go above the line here. But what you want to do is that your stakeholders, employees, partners, governments know what you're doing. You're being transparent, proactive with them. Yeah. So I guess it's about striking the right balance, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And in many ways, it's the it's it's the gestures such as you know the one Tracy was talking about, where you repurpose. And the joy of being a large, a large, diverse conglomerate. You repurpose employees from one organisation into another organisation that is very needy, needed for, for public good. You know, which is you know the delivery of food and 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 core life supplies to people. You know that sort of stuff. Which you know I you know I don't I don't see. I'm not followed, but I don't see Majid Alfatain shouting from the rooftops about. Yeah, but, you no. know that's the sort of that's the sort of stuff that. You know, when when the wash up is done in eighteen months' time, people will know, and, and there will be brand loyalty uh, with, without question. I agree with you all. Certainly, for for us and for me, it's definitely about being more authentic, more purposeful, and more intentional about what we're doing. And no, we didn't shout the redeployment message. We shared it because we knew that our employees. Um, were enthusiastic about it and very pleased that the company was taking care of them. Uh, but we started getting requests for information as people started to hear about it. So it just goes to show you that uh, you don't have to shout about it when uh, others are calling and wondering, what's this you're doing and, and tell us more. So we really felt good about that for our employees because they felt good about it. And I think when you think about this whole ordeal, it's just a monumental task and, and there are no easy answers. There are no shortcuts, no matter how much we try to find them. Uh, and there's going to be impact on our markets, economies, and the communities we serve for weeks and months to come, I'm sure. But for me, I tend to look at things with the glass always half full. And I feel that it represents an opportunity. It represents an opportunity in many areas for us. Uh, sometimes I think more so in the public and private sector for us to come together like we've not done before, because we certainly have come together in the past, but like we've never done before to really be more intentional and purposeful. And there are some things we're working on uh, with the government to make sure we do just that, and then you'll probably hear about them soon, or not, it just depends. But um, I think that's very important that the organization has to be committed to playing that role, uh, and that collective will needs to be demonstrated by big and small companies. And uh, it's heartening to see this happening in the midst of such a crisis as this one. So I'm, mm. I'm actually positive about what's to come because we know this won't last forever. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I should pr probably do, I mean, as it, with my Metra chair hat on, I, pr I probably need to uh, talk to the small companies piece a little bit because, you know, it's you know, larger companies, although, you know, we've seen the likes of, you know, of, of the airlines have to, you know, cut 
cut uh, salaries and all, uh, all sorts of things. But I think, we, you know, if for small companies in this region, it's going to be a very, very difficult time. And I've spoken to a number of people in our industry who who are going through you know, absolutely torrid times at the moment, and it's greatly troubling. And again, they're having to, you know, they're having to, to do things that, you know, two months ago they were not expecting to have to do in terms of, in, in terms of, you know, job cuts for survival uh, and, and, and things like, and things like that, but, you know, they've, you know, which, which is difficult, but so, uh, yeah, and what, what's, what's heartening is that, you know, you know, despite it being difficult, you know, many of them are taking it very, very pragmatically. And although it's personally on a personal level, very difficult for them, they're taking strength from the community, uh, who is, who are all coming together. I, I, I think we're very fortunate to be surrounded by people with a lot of wonderful qualities. And I think if, when you think of the kind of group of qualities of, of, of energy and modesty and generosity and, and encouragement, you know, there's a lot of strength to be drawn in, in from community yeah, in this region. Uh, uh, John G, I absolutely echo what you've just said. Um, Probably not once before have I felt the industry as close to each other as they have done now. So when we had to mobilize quite quickly three weeks ago, I was receiving phone calls, WhatsApps, and of people I hadn't spoken to in a while, probably a year or so, just saying, hope all is well, etc. I think that there's a bit of closeness together on this. And just like Metro has done and other um, uh, PR associations have done, the industry has come together and they're offering free webinars and talks, et cetera. Um, so we're still trying to stay connected and still trying to um, protect our employees and keep them on an upward learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, speaking as an agency head, the absolute last thing any agency head wants to have to do is, 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 is to cut employment. Uh, I think, you know, you'd, you'd walk over razor blades before you, uh, before you decided that that was what you had to do. Exactly. Our people are our people. Yeah, exactly. They're my people. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. No, it is. It's definitely positive to see how the industry is coming together. And um, certainly from my perspective, I speak to a lot of agencies and in-house teams on a regular basis and it, it's 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 really heartwarming to see everyone come together um we are running out of time but I, I do have a question on whether or not i mean we recently just discussed brand loyalty after all of this are, are people starting to focus on recovery plans yet um you know and planning for that one day in the future we don't know when it is but um is is that a focus currently or are we you know going day by day with this for us here at Magic Alpha Team, absolutely. And I wouldn't say starting to, it's always been a part of how we looked at uh, the business. Uh, certainly, it was kind of pre-crisis, in the midst of the crisis, and post-crisis, post-COVID-19. So yes, we are starting to plan around it uh, from not only a business perspective, but also from a functional perspective for when all of our doors open again at our assets and we're able to welcome our customers back. Uh, we certainly want to make sure that we welcome them back as though they never missed a beat. So absolutely very important to have that uh, aspect of the planning as well. I'd echo that. That would be my one advice is almost for organizations to think what's next. How do we get ahead of this? What does recovery look like? What does actually the next six weeks look like? Always have that in your pocket so you can be agile, you can be prepared, and you know where you have to go as an organization. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think, uh, you know, public relations, you know, has, does and will play a leading role in, in helping organizations to recover, encourage CEOs and, 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 and their advisors to take a long term view of the business. Uh, and I think it will, will, I think the, the conversations that I'm having and seeing is that, is that businesses are thinking about how you, they put sustainability in terms of operations and, and also their, their whole corporate agenda um, um, much more front and centre uh, and how they balance, look to balance interests of employees, customers and communities um, in, in the future. Okay, well, I, I know we could talk about this subject for hours on end, but... Um, we could. We could do another hour and yeah, a half. <laughs> we could. <laughs> well, that was a fascinating podcast episode. My thanks once again to our Metpro Chair, John T, Tracy from Marjul Alpha Tame and Omar from Edelman. We'll be back for another episode very soon, this time with members from our youth board to discuss how COVID-19 is impacting young communicators and the biggest issues they are currently facing. Also, you may have seen we have postponed our Metro Leadership Majelis along with our breakfast seminars and face-to-face training, but we'll keep you updated on when we can reschedule these events through our digital channels, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. For now, we are hosting a number of webinars, um, so check out metpro.org forward slash events. We'll also be hosting a series of live Twitter Q&As with several of our comms experts discussing best practice when it comes to COVID-19 comms. And our first live Twitter Q&A will be with our chair, John T. Summers, on Tuesday, 31st of March at 3pm. And he'll answer all your questions regarding crisis comms during COVID-19.